0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Freckled Foodie and Friends, a podcast focused on making healthy living approachable, hosted by yours truly, Cameron Rogers. Hello, my people. Before you listen to today's episode, I want to give a quick, I guess, like pretext to the recording. This is another one that was recorded before everything coronavirus. So, obviously, we do not discuss any of that, and the conversation may not seem relevant, but I still love this interview with Eric, and I do want to share it. I had kind of thought that quarantine would be a few weeks, and I would release it after the fact. Obviously, I was wrong, so here we are. Um, A quick note from Eric, and this will all be more relevant once you listen to the episode— But he wanted to let us know what's happening with Swerve, which is the company we discuss in this episode. So when COVID hit and the government shut down their studios, immediately they sent out a survey to their riders to see if anybody would be interested in renting their bikes. They received an overwhelming... Sorry, Charlie. Dude, you don't get a microphone here, honey. Um, they received an overwhelming response of over 1500 people who wanted to rent their bikes and they only had 160 bikes. So they partnered with their laundry service company who had a few delivery trucks and him and his co-founder each took a truck out to make the deliveries. In 2 days they delivered all 160 bikes to their community and they dropped off bikes for their instructors and within a few weeks they put together a digital platform of on bike and off bike virtual classes. So they now offer live and on-demand classes for those who have any sort of bike at home or who wish to take their full-body workouts where no equipment is necessary. That is all on their website, which is in the show notes. Now that you have all of that information, please enjoy today's episode with Eric. Hello, people. Happy Friday. It's Cameron here from Samsung 837. I am here with Eric Posner, who is the co-founder and CEO of Swerve Fitness, or Swerve. Both. Either one works. All right. Well, welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, our friend, Lo, is like getting dropped in every episode I record lately, but Lauren Watley connected us. Thanks, Lo. <laughs> appreciate it. Um, and I'm always interested in people founding businesses and the logistics behind all of that, but also the journey that led them in that direction. And what differentiates each business, especially in the boutique fitness world, from another. So I really want to dive into all of that at some point. And we have a very interestingly similar path of our lives before that point of leaving. Um, So to kick off, how would you define success?
1: First off, thank you again for having me. Of course. I'm super pumped. Um, And I really love this question uh, because... I feel like it's something that changes as life Absolutely. goes on, right? And so, makes sense why you ask it. Yeah, um, where I am in my life right now, I feel like success is certainly it's happiness. Mm-hmm. And what I've realized is that what makes me happy, or what continues to make me happy, and why I feel happy in life, yeah. Um, it all boils down to first, like, figuring out what your purpose is or, like, what your contribution is to this world. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's kind of step one, which a lot of people don't necessarily figure out until later on in life. Yeah. Um, It may take some time. So that's, like, number one. And then number two is, like, actually living out that purpose. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, I, I, I do feel that... Um, that's something that I'm currently doing. I am happy. Snaps for so, you. Thank you. Um, so therefore, I do feel successful. But then it also boils down to like your your mental and social well being, mm-hmm. right? Because there are certain days where I can get punched in the gut and I don't feel as successful. So yes. it really is about <laughs> the mind, right? And so and uh, and so really. So going back, it's like success is being able to control your mind, to focus on the positive, and to continue to live out why you're here and what really drives mm-hmm. you and you will therefore be happier.
0: Yes. And Long-winded I think, answer. No. Oh, my God. I love. <laughs> I think there's a lot in that I totally agree with and especially the mind aspect. For me, mental health is huge and it's been a very big talking point on my platform sure. because it's been something I've struggled with anxiety. My entire life, I didn't really notice it was anxiety until maybe like five years ago. Um, but the story we tell ourselves has so much to do with how we're feeling. Absolutely. And there are days where I could get the same news one day and just tell myself, you know what, whatever, there's a better opportunity out there for me that's just around the corner, like, it's okay, sure. and move past it. And then I could get the same news another day where I'm down on something else, and I'm like, well, fuck. Like, <laughs> I didn't get this. I'm never going to get anything. And it's it's really just how you mentally react to every situation.
1: Totally, 100%. And so... To that point, it's really interesting to see all these companies starting to come up and just yes. more emphasis around mental health and mm-hmm. um, mental fitness even. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can dive into this in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's talk. Oh, um, no, we can dive into um, it All right, now. I'll just get oh, right in yeah. there. Um, so we recently, and I'll explain what Swerve is, and we can right. go through the story and whatnot, but uh, we recently surveyed our riders, mm-hmm. and we asked them for, the top three reasons or a handful of reasons why they work out or why they come to swerve. And number one was to improve their overall fitness journey. Number two was to improve their mental health and reduce stress. And number three was for weight loss. Mm -hmm. So it was really amazing to see that people valued their mental health and reducing stress over losing weight. And so I think that's a shift that we're starting to see in in such a digitally connected world and everything that is kind of impacting people's stressors Mm -hmm. even more so than ever. Um, And it's really bringing that conversation to the forefront.
0: And I love this movement because, you know, growing up in the 90s, it was very weight loss focused and no one was talking about mental health. And I love that right now it's such such a large factor of the wellness and exercise industry and that we're finally having the conversations and that therapy is beginning to be normalized and that people are meditating and that it's becoming almost trendy, Mm -hmm. which I'm sure a lot of historical meditation coaches are like not into the trend aspect of it all. Sure. However, anything that can bring more awareness to it and get people on board, I'm here for. So if it's meditating is trendy, I don't care. I just want people, more people meditating. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also, for me personally, I mean, the main reason I work out is for my mental health. There's no question about it. It just completely changes the way I attack every single day and think about things and consume things. And another thing that you mentioned is something I think about often in a World where we're so attached to technology and we're just adding in more stimuli, which can be so overwhelming, as someone who's technically adding to that equation in Mm -hmm. the providing more information and content (laughs) and stimuli for people, I want to make sure that it's digestible and also serving some form of purpose. Sure. And it's really interesting because I've definitely changed my thought process around it all. Of Every time I post something, like, what is this actually providing people with? Awesome. Is it helping them in some way? Because otherwise, why the hell do they need it? Love it. Thank you. I don't know why I went on that tangent. No, it's great. Uh- <laughs> I, mean, I mean,
1: hopefully that is a shift that the rest of the world will, will take on because, yeah, as we know, there are a lot of negative impacts to yep. social media and to technology. So if it, is, if it continues to or can evolve into a place where it is just... Yeah adding more value than taking, um, yeah, fingers crossed.
0: I know I pray for the day that we remove every single insane filter from Snapchat and Instagram, because that's not reality. Um, can you give us some backstory on what Swerve is, and then we can dive into how you founded it.
1: Definitely. Um, can I actually reverse that and talk oh, yes. about why? Yeah, let's okay. do the other way. Awesome. So as you know, um, mm-hmm. I was an athlete and my whole life and played lacrosse at Harvard mm-hmm. afterwards. Was practically funneled into finance because- We all are. <laughs> that's what we thought was the right thing to do. Every right? lacrosse player. Exactly. Um and but while working in a sales job at an investment bank, I, what I started to do alongside what my co- my mm-hmm. co-founders were doing is we started taking our clients to boutique fitness studios.
0: Yeah, and, we, and what year was this?
1: So this was 2011, 2012.
0: Because that's when it was really like started to become a he, no, thing. Because I remember like, when I joined, it was still like well, munis are different because all my clients were like old men, right? <laughs> so none of them really wanted to go to like a berries class. Mm-hmm. But I remember we would still be in like the steak dinner. And then the SPG desk on our floor was all of a sudden taking clients that were younger to Berries or like Soul Cycle. And I kept being like, can I get clients that wanna do that? Because yep. that's what I wanna do. That's
1: it. And uh, yeah, we so fortunately was able to connect with a bunch of other ex athletes who yep. worked at hedge funds and um, started inviting them to the Soul Cycles, the Flywheels, mm-hmm. and the Barrys of the world. Yeah. Um, and what started off as taking one or two clients on Wednesday mornings at 6 a.m. to Flywheel, it actually grew to a group of about 20 of us every single week. That's awesome. And it was amazing. And my boss was pumped because. Yeah, you know, I mean, he let me swipe my corporate card to book these bikes. Mm -hmm. But um, really, what I noticed is that it just helped me build relationships in such a more powerful way than going out to steak dinner or drinks. And same um, thing every
0: day for them.
1: Exactly. And then we started to we started to get more business because of it. And Mm -hmm. it wasn't because we were talking about work at these workout classes. It was just because we were bonding and doing something difficult together. Mm -hmm. um, And it really felt like being on a team again. So yeah. all of these people who we were working out with, we are we're all now on, on an email chain and mm-hmm. there's banter, there's, you know, we're making fun of each other, having fun, yeah. you know, challenging one another. And again, that was kind of like the element of being on a team that we we're like, wow, this phenomena is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And um as I mentioned, my my other co-founders, John Henry and Chelsea, who I actually grew up with, were all from Huntington, Long Island. Oh, right. um, they played lacrosse in college as well. They were also taking their clients out to boutique fitness classes. Uh, we all just we just got together and we we're like, is there a way to capture this camaraderie in a better way mm-hmm. or in a stronger way? And the idea the and really the genesis for this was, We knew team sports so well. We were going with others. We felt like it wasn't capturing the camaraderie as best as it could. Let's create a team concept. Yeah. So, swerve. Real quickly,
0: there's so much, just inserting in that exact moment, there's so much to be said about a team. And I know you and I probably feel similarly of that really made our college careers different than others, the team aspect of it all. And that's one of the reasons why and maybe you feel the same way. I loved my job for so long because it was so team oriented. Sales and trading is basically like a team. Sure. You're a little bit competitive with each other because mm-hmm. you know you want to be maybe the best salesperson, but like collectively, you're competing against, for me, the Goldmans, the Cities, the Morgan Stanleys. Mm-hmm. And you wanna thrive as a department. Like you wanna be number one on your product in Wall Street. And the fast pace, it all was just so team oriented. And I loved it. And Personally, I've spoke about it a lot. That's like the number one thing I've had a hard time with, leaving, mm. because I've now been alone. Sure. And it really has retrospectively made me so grateful for a team aspect of business. So Definitely. you then took it and brought it to the masses.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, and everything you're saying truly resonates. Um, I, I, I felt similarly. Yeah. Um, and also realized that as it relates to my workouts- hmm once you graduate college and you're no longer playing it's a sport, so like sad. there's, yeah, like that's what got me up at five and six in the morning throughout, throughout college, right? It's like, yeah. you don't want to let your team down. There's that accountability mm-hmm. factor yeah. and you do your job and you do it because not only do you have to, but you're doing it for everybody else. Yep. Um, so that's where we're like, okay, like our workouts before this were kind of stale. Now we're all doing it together and. It's, we feel accountable to show up. We're working harder because of it. Mm-hmm. We're doing more business because of it. We're seeing more better results because of it. So um, that's the idea for Swerve was like, let's take all of these elements of a team sports and put it into a boutique fitness concept, and that's how we came up with the team indoor cycling concept. So we positioned ourselves as the, the world's first team indoor cycling studio. Yeah. We created the technology to, to build out this experience, um, and... The way that it works is every class, there are always three set teams. So there's a red team or a red section of bikes, Mm -hmm. then a blue team and a green team. So if you're going to sign up for class, you just pick any bike on any team. And you have a console that shows you your own personal metrics. But then up on scoreboards, you see team scores. So it doesn't alienate any of the individuals. But yet, because you're working as a team, you work harder because you feel accountable to them. And then that's where the hooting and hollering and the high fives, all that really comes into play. Because you're working collectively To, against the other teams. Yeah. Um. So we pitched this idea to our clients who we were taking to these other classes, and they were like, "Look, we get it. Like, yeah. Like, basically. But if we're gonna create this, you need to quit your job and you need to put up your own money. So we literally quit our jobs, put up our life savings, and they helped us uh, find the rest of the money, and they invested, and that's how we opened up our first location uh, back in 2013.
0: So how long had this concept been brewing? Before you
1: quit the job. We were working out with clients for about two years until we were able to open up Swerve. Um, But I'd say we started working on the business plan. It was really about like 12 months. Wow. And all three of
0: you quit to pursue
1: this? Exactly. Yeah.
0: That takes a lot of like... (laughs) No, because I just think about it of my decision to quit. There's so much that goes into that, Mm -hmm. which we can get into. Um, And, you know, assessing your financials and then... Can this actually become something? And then really letting go of the egotistical aspect that came with our jobs, which right. is a large part for me why I didn't let go for so long. But then to convince two others to do it with you, mm-hmm. not just you, but them convincing. You know, whoever in that three, all three of you being convinced to do it is an awesome accomplishment, <laughs> honestly. Mm-hmm. Thank you.
1: Yeah, and, and I think that kind of goes back to, like, the strength in numbers and in the Absolutely. team. And, like, we all just – we literally every day after work we'd go and work on this business plan and talk mm-hmm. about it and so and then we talk about it with other people and that was one big learning early on was like don't keep your ideas in because you think somebody's gonna steal no. it like if you have the passion and the obsession to do it share these ideas because people are gonna poke holes in it and you're gonna learn and you're yes. gonna get stronger or you're they're also, gonna
0: add things that you would've never thought 100%, of
1: 100% or they'll connect you with somebody who can help and so it was very much we connected those dots and we did that for so long that we all just grew very confident in it and then um, um, fortunately, well, my boss kind of knew something was up. Eventually, yeah. <laughs> uh, he, you know, was like Eric. He actually pulled me into his office, and he's like, and I guess I could say this, but yeah. he's like, either you got your girlfriend pregnant or or you're <laughs> leaving. So which one is What's it? What's happening? And um, I'm and that's when I shared the idea for Swerve, and he's like, well, one, do you plan to leave? And I was like, oh, no, I don't know. You know, we may, you know, we're probably going to do both. And he's like, well, when are you signing a lease? And I was like, next Friday. So he's like, okay, well, after you sign the lease, like, you're out. And by the way, I want to see your business plan because I want to invest. Wow. So that was like. The ultimate way to, to leave something that like yeah to jump into this world of uncertainty was getting that stamp of approval. So um, I wish I had that. <laughs> My conversation definitely feel very didn't fortunate. Really go that way,
0: um, but that's amazing.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: That's really incredible. So you signed the lease. Well, actually, I haven't. Sorry. Yeah. Did you ever think of bringing a team? And maybe this is something that you're considering. I don't mm-hmm. know. But was it always cycling?
1: Great question. So I was never a cyclist before this, Um, but what from working on this concept and what we realize is that we want to bring people together and provide an experience that just creates stronger community, Mm -hmm. that will tie the camaraderie throughout. So not just the in-class experience, but then outside we have smoothie bars and lounge space and dedicated community space. So it was really about like, what is the concept that's going to help us bring community in the strongest way and provide Mm -hmm. an alternative for people who don't want to go out to bars or steak dinners. Yeah, And so really, so that we felt the biggest opportunity there was with Mm -hmm. cycling um, being that it was, uh, you know, on the up and coming and soul cycle and flywheel are doing incredibly, incredibly well. And we Mm -hmm. felt like we could carve out our own niche. And that niche was really going B2B while most fitness concepts out there were going B2C. So it was like, essentially a b2b B2 to c model where you get companies to come in people whether they're bringing their clients or booking mm-hmm. a you know red team versus blue team goldman sachs versus morgan stanley yeah. we will then introduce swerve to them and get members
0: okay and do you think there is a space where this expands to like a treadmill class or like some type of hit exercise yeah, okay. That's a, well,
1: it's a great question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the reason we called it Swerve as opposed to Swerve Cycling, um, well, actually, I'll explain Swerve. Yeah, Not explain that too. everybody knows this, which they probably yeah, should I do a better job telling yeah. people. Um, but the whole idea was that we're going to Swerve off of our path of what we thought was the right path for us and do something that we're passionate about and mm-hmm. do it together. So that was the idea for Swerve. Got it. Um, but in the naming of it, instead of saying Swerve Cycling, it's just Swerve because this the concept can be applied to yeah. anything. Right? It really can. Um, but the idea for now is like staying focused. Yeah. Really being the best at our craft, and until we are, that's when we can decide to move on or add something to it.
0: And how many locations do you have now?
1: We have three locations okay. in in Manhattan. So we have Flatiron, Midtown, and Upper East Side, um, and we have another location opening up uh, later this year. Can you so,
0: disclose where or not yet?
1: Um, yeah, actually, I can. Okay. Um, it hasn't been officially announced, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be soon. Um, it's really exciting. It's 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 alongside a concept called Drop Fitness. Okay, They are repurposing a Toys R Us box in Livingston, New Jersey what? into a fitness complex. So picture in the middle of this complex, you have open gym space. So you have cardio and free weights. Yeah. Surrounding the perimeter, you have some of the top new york city fitness boutiques whoa Uh, and so yeah so you can you download their app you buy a package and you can use it at any of the locations underneath their roof so it's essentially like a like a class pass in real life but also creating this well wellness ecosystem in the suburbs Um, that's
0: a really good idea
1: We're excited to be a part of it.
0: Wherever I move in the suburbs, I hope that (laughs) they somehow create this there. I'll be calling them. I'll do what I can. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like once I get my city or not city, but town down, I'll make the call (laughs) to you.
1: All right. I got you.
0: Yeah, thank you. And I will say, I love how receptive Swerve is because I can give my, I know I told you this over the phone, but for me, when I was at JP, I was a morning workout person And my issue was originally I had to get to the desk by 6.30. Then it became 7. And so I couldn't take a 6 a.m. class because it was ending at 6.45. That just didn't give me realistically enough time to be changed, showered, and at my desk as a female. And I could do a 5 a.m., but then I have like a lot of time after. Not a lot, but it was just – I really wanted that extra half hour of sleep. And I vividly remember talking to a few colleagues on my desk. And when Swerve opened in Midtown, we all went and loved it. And I remember calling and being like, hey, do you think maybe you would like add a 5.30 class? (laughs) And I was on – I wonder, actually, I want to find the email and see who I was communicating with. Although it was on my JP email, so I don't think I can.
1: But. (laughs) Maybe we can find it. Yeah, you guys can find <laughs> it.
0: And you added a 5.30 class and I was so fucking excited. I felt like I was like doing a service <laughs> to the sales and trading people of J.P. Morgan.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for reaching out. Oh, you're so welcome. Um, and I mean, that's kind of rule number one that we learned is like listen to your customers. Definitely. Right? And, and uh, you know, kind of going back to opening up in 2013 when there were already a handful of, you know, so we actually, our first studio in Flatiron, there were two soul cycles and two flywheels within four blocks of us. Wow. So it was very much going, this uphill battle and we needed to fail fast and learn quickly and Mm -hmm. listen to our customers and what they wanted. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear you say this because that's something that we, we really try to do is is take the feedback and implement it.
0: Well, you have to if you want to grow in an industry that already exists. And obviously, you were bringing something different to the table. But like you said, like there were spin studios. It's not like you created an entirely different machine, sure. if that makes sense. Totally. Um. And on that note, what were the biggest challenges of opening Swerve? Mm, that's a great question.
1: Um, a lot of challenges. Yeah, I'm sure. Every day there's a different one. <laughs> so... I would say the biggest uh, was that I went from being in sales to then having to become an entrepreneur, a creative, a leader, a manager, all of those things overnight. So it was essentially like going to business school on the fly. And and, um, I think that in hindsight, when I was working my corporate role in finance, like I I wasn't as engaged. I didn't care as much. Mm -hmm. Um, I also wasn't curious enough. Because yeah. I didn't care as much, right? Yeah, like,
0: because you're only really asking the questions about things you care about. Totally, and so I feel the exact same. In case you're
1: wondering, <laughs> the the I remember the day that I woke up and I was no longer at my corporate role, and I was like, "Oh shit!"
0: Yeah, <laughs> like what have I done? It's
1: time to turn it up. Mm-hmm. Um, but then just kind of really took on the just the curiosity and just reading a lot of books and meeting a lot of people mm-hmm. and. Um, yeah just kind of taking that on but that's really hard and it's still it's a process that any entrepreneur goes through and yeah. um i'm still going through right in such in when the only thing that's guaranteed in life is is change like you have to continuously evolve and so um but i think that the first year or two getting used to that change in lifestyle mm-hmm. and mentality was was really challenging and i I used to have a whole lot more hair than I do now, <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah, i will say that that was that was a big challenge. Um, one more that I like to say is uh, is also ha- becoming more vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So when I made that transition and I had to convince people to give me their money uh, to start Swerve. I thought that I needed to know all the answers or that I needed to portray that I knew all the answers and something that I learned and I still need to remind myself now is that like the reason why people put invested in us and, and bet on us was because they thought we were going to be the best at getting the the answers, Mm -hmm. not knowing the answers. So opening up and reaching out for help and whether it be to our investors or to other entrepreneurs, just speaking up early enough Mm -hmm. um, is something that in hindsight, like I would have... Focused on earlier. Um, Yeah. And so I think that was like a challenge that I went through of trying to take everything on and do it all myself when really that was kind of against our whole team mentality, right? Yeah, that's (laughs) very
0: true. And I think there's so much to be said of asking questions when you don't know something and admitting you don't know something. I just had this conversation on another episode where it's so important to just admit, I don't know, but how can you help me learn? Sure. And... I also think that as a community, we really need to encourage more vulnerability, especially in the male gender. Absolutely. And I read this, I talk about it all the time, but I read this book, For the Love of Men by Liz Plank, and a lot of that focuses- I know Liz. Oh, you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, she wrote a great book. I haven't read the book, but I'm sure it's
0: amazing. Okay, it's really good. <laughs> um, it changed the way I view so many different things. Mm. But- I think we've created this culture where not only is vulnerability looked down upon in general, but especially in the male gender where it's like, boys don't cry, like act like a man, like the man should do it all. Like we need to provide more of a space for everyone to feel comfortable opening up and asking for help because no one's going to grow if we're all just trying to do it on our own because you don't know which way is up when you don't know what's going on. Sure. I always say, like, you don't know what you don't know. And that's what I learned in finance very quickly on the trading floor when they're throwing these jargon words around. And I have no idea what anyone's talking about. And as soon as I asked, I realized that the word was for, like, a different term for a decimal, like Mm -hmm. spot. Okay, well, I had no idea what that was. (laughs) But as soon as you ask, like, you just have no idea. Yeah. Yeah. so that was something that I think I definitely took from finance and have now brought to my business in the sense of I want to learn as much as possible from the people who understand and then try to bring on whoever can do that act better well, than me.
1: I mean, we could talk about this for hours. And yes. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, I w- one thing that, that comes to mind is that um, just the power of partnership too. So much. And uh, once – so my fiancé, soon-to-be wife. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. Um, once we started dating, I think uh, that's where I, I saw, like, another big tra- like transformation in, yeah. in who I am as a human because she really challenged me to – be more vulnerable mm-hmm. or to open up about my feelings or to tap into things that I've maybe bottled up. Yeah. Um, I mean,
0: work I do with my husband all the time. <laughs> there you yeah.
1: go. I mean, literally just last week, she made me realize something that I'm like, whoa, that's from my childhood that I've been holding on to that I didn't even realize yeah. I was holding on to And I need to go apologize to my dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, uh, do you meditate? So I do, or I mean, okay. I'm, My parents, uh, and I would love to talk about this as well. Yes. My parents are essentially the the Fockers. Really? um, To the T. Yeah. I love it. Um, They run a a holistic wellness center on Huntington, Long Island. Holy shit. So you grew up in this space. Oh, yes. Big time. So my dad's a chiropractor. My mom, she... Well, when they first started their business, it was actually inside of our home. It was a home business. He was a chiropractor. He convinced her to become a masseuse to be the massage therapist. Yeah. So, that's how they ran their business. And now, they have a they have a clinic that they've had in Huntington for like 25 years. My sister is also the acupuncturist. Um so they all work together. You've
0: got like a little compound going down.
1: Totally. Um but so uh so yeah, I've kind of just, as you mentioned, have been in in health and wellness for so long, and wow, uh, you know, I actually forgot where what my point was and why I even brought That's that okay, up. Okay, but um, I love
0: that. <laughs> I really enjoy yeah. that, and I know where I'm headed if I'm <laughs> okay. ever injured. All right. No um, wonder you were so good at lacrosse. You probably had like <laughs> your pe- your parents working on you all the time.
1: <laughs> Definitely very uh, grateful and was. Yeah. I mean, getting treatments, um, but then also being surrounded by like you know. Uh, not only just like a healthier diet and yep. things are like, my parents were eating kale before kale was even anything. Mm-hmm. You know, when it was, was
0: used for like decorations. Or for feeding like
1: stores? iguanas. Yeah. <laughs> which we also had a, like a five foot iguana that walked around our home. Okay. You know, I need to see childhood photos. When I say the Fockers, like they yeah. are the Fockers. Um, but no, but that Oh, really, meditating. That's what Meditating. You there. there you go. Sorry. It just yeah, thank you to me. Um, so my dad, he actually, so his story is that, He grew up in Brooklyn, kind of had a a troubled childhood, got into drugs, and what basically will tell you that he was on the verge of, like, almost, like, not being around anymore. Yeah, And his friend brought him to a karate class, and the teacher basically was like, I'm going to turn this kid around, and through martial arts, really gave my dad discipline and, and everything and really changed his life. Wow. Um, from there, he graduated high school and then lived in an ashram where he was essentially a monk for mm-hmm. a couple of years. And that was another experience where he was just introduced to like Eastern medicine and everything, Eastern practices and Buddhism and mm-hmm. whatnot. Um, from there, went to chiropractic school. And then the story goes on. And yeah, he met my mom, all that stuff. Um, but so at a young age, um, I was around that uh like in, like in, they'd read me a bedtime story and then we'd meditate um so i wow. was like from a from a baby like we were meditating and doing breathing practices like before going to bed yeah. um so i've been around that my whole life um but i would say you know once you you hit college and you know you yeah. get like life you're happens partying, and- <laughs> you're not meditating <laughs> exactly. it's okay um so now certainly working on that more yeah um
0: i already think a lot about how and we're not like close to starting a family but I really think about how I want to implement certain practices into our children's lives at a young age because I did not grow up in a, a similar household however my mom was very open and receptive to really energy healer that mm-hmm. we worked with since 2001 At the same time, my mom started practicing yoga way before yoga was, like, trendy. Mm. I kind of was always asking why she was doing stretches for an hour, telling her (laughs) it wasn't a workout. And she can do these insanely, really fucking cool poses. So the joke's on me. But I never... We were never meditating of any sorts. And I always say meditation has changed my life. And I love that now I got my parents into it. In kind of that role reversal where I'm bringing it to them. But... What you were saying of how you're having these conversations with your fiance, like this was one I had for a very long time with my husband of just suggesting, like, why don't you try meditating? It's up to me so much. And really just, I think it's very important as partners to never get comfortable and to continue to push each other in positive directions. And I'm not saying nagging one another nonstop, but just always bettering each other because it's the same thing that you were saying. There's power in partnership. Definitely. And he calls me on my shit all the time. That's great. In the sense of, like, this is not who you are. <laughs> right? Like, you can't act like that. Yeah. You can't say those things. You're better than that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do the same to him. But it's been very eye-opening to have two different voices help approach a situation mm-hmm. and decide the best way on navigating it moving forward. True. Sure. So he moral of the story, has started meditating and I always tell him it's nice like the work. sexiest thing a man can do. Love it. So if you're a guy listening, like start meditating and tell your female partner <laughs> or male partner.
1: Um, no, that, that's awesome. And uh, it's what's really interesting, and I I'm sure, as you know, these companies that are starting to come up and whether it's a meditation studio or yes. these apps and um, also a lot of science is starting to come out on, on the benefits Definitely. of meditation and the impact on the brain. Um, and if you're familiar with epigenetics, which now, and I won't get I've been nerding out on this a lot. No, but I es- appreciate a- it. Essentially Nerd how your thoughts and how your feelings mm-hmm. and your environment, how that actually rewires your brain but also impacts your genes and the expression yes. of certain genes. So science is now starting to catch up to all of these – like. Practices and whatnot that have been around for thousands of years. So I think it's another reason why people are starting to become more receptive to it and Mm -hmm. accept it
0: more because there's now science that points to it. Yeah. And a lot of people need the tangible evidence. Sure. Which was something that. Joe, my husband, was very much, she's a practical person, mm-hmm. and I think a lot of people are, and it's hard, especially, I know I struggled with it, like, well, where's the tangible evidence that meditation is really going to help me? Right. And I'd kind of rather sleep that extra however many minutes you're choosing to meditate for. Sure. And I had the fight over and over with my friend, like, but I'd rather sleep and then go to the gym, and I don't have time for this. And it was so hard for me to grasp the concept that it will make more time in my day,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and Once you give in and let go and whatever – I'm not forcing meditation on everyone. This could be any different type of practice. But you start to see the results. Mm -hmm. And it's not as tangible as like, oh, I'm lifting weights five times a day and now I've gained X percent muscle. But it's, oh, I reacted differently in that situation. Mm -hmm. And wow, I don't feel the way I normally would feel when someone says something like that to me. And I think it's really important when you're bringing on these new practices in your life, no matter what they may be, acknowledging, championing, is that a word? Yeah, Yeah, maybe. And celebrating (laughs) those things and taking the time to really relish in the fact that you're changing and appreciate that. Yeah, I said to Joe the other night, I'm like, I'm really proud of who I've become over the past year. Mm. And I think we all need to say better things about ourselves instead totally. of being so harsh.
1: Yeah, 100%.
0: I also love to ask people, yeah. what is your favorite characteristic about yourself?
1: <laughs> so this is a, it's a hard yeah, question to answer. because there are so many. Um, but, you know, talking about my parents, I would really relate it back to them and like feeling very grateful that they kind of infused this sort of mindset of Mm -hmm. this like, this like growth mindset in me from an early age. Yeah. Um, So actually alongside those meditations there, my parents, we would actually practice gratitude and manifesting what it is that we want. And uh, something that I still do this day is, you know, my prayer is not, it's not a religious prayer. Mm -hmm. I would say it's very spiritual, but it's actually like, thanking God for giving me all of these things, whether yeah. I have it or whether I want it, but it's already kind of like You're in my it mind, out putting it out there. Um, and I think that that has wired my brain in a way to be more optimistic and um, just kind of enjoy life a bit more, Yeah, you know? And um, so I, that's what I would say that... So going back to your question, mm-hmm. it's like what makes me special? I, I, I would say that it's like my parents... <laughs> made my brain, wired my brain in a certain way yeah. to have a positive outlook. And I think that does impact people in terms of um, the positivity that I love to bring. And like, it also goes back to like what the contribution I think that I bring to this world mm-hmm. is like the contribution of connecting people. Yep. Um, and that's, Swerve was an extension of connecting people and mm-hmm. doing it in a positive way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: You're connecting the masses, not just the 20 people on the email chain.
1: That is the goal.
0: And I also think there's so much to be said of... It, it honestly ties back to what we were saying earlier of the way you perceive whatever's happening to you. You can run with it in a way of, like, this is a challenge. There's a reason for this. I accept it, and I'm going to do X. Mm-hmm. Or you can like, sit and whine about it and, you know, not go anywhere. And that's fine. Like, I get it. I get what leads you to do that. Mm-hmm. But... Nothing good is coming of it. Right. So why not at least try to see a positive in some way? Sure. It's so important. And I think we all need to do a little bit of a better job on it. (laughs) Um, Regarding Swerve, I am curious, and I don't want you to, like, give away any secrets, but where do you see the company continuing to grow? And also, are the three co-founders still involved? Yes. Wow, that's amazing. Mm, I always feel like when I talk to co-founders at Mm. one point, like, you know, so that's great. Partnership is not easy. I was going mean, to say, it's a, yeah. mean, it's
1: a marriage that you work Definitely. through. Um, but yeah, in terms of our vision for Swerve, mm-hmm. uh, the idea was really to, you know, we've been open for six years, uh, going to be opening our fourth location. But it was to really focus on the product and mm-hmm. not scale too quickly. Because I think that's what we've seen is that our... Competitors have scaled so quickly yes. that you lose the quality in the brand experience, and mm-hmm. especially in such a people-heavy business, um, the foundation needs to be so strong for when you do scale. So that's yeah. been the focus: is like really making sure we have a super strong foundation so that when the time comes, we can turn it up. Yes, um, the vision is very large. Um, we want to be across the world. We think mm-hmm. that you know, Swerve can work in. I mean this is the most competitive fitness city yeah. <laughs> in the world and Flatiron also being probably the most competitive in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, competitive neighborhood, but, uh, yeah, yeah really in the I world. I mean, literally there's <laughs> literally. <laughs> every fitness it's, in exactly. like
0: every boutique fitness is within a six block radius. I always say if I lived in Flatiron, it would be the most convenient exercise schedule of my life.
1: Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> um, so, and being that it is also a very competitive industry, yeah. it's like, how do you stand out? Have you carved out a true niche um, that is resonating, I think? And over the years, you've seen a bunch of concepts that have come and gone, mm-hmm. um, some that had heavy backers um, and are no longer here. So it's not just money. Like, you need to yeah. find something that sticks and something that resonates, and in our opinion, something that builds real community. Yeah. So many people out there say the word, but are they building real community? It's not an easy thing to do. Not at all. Um so for us, it's about elevating communities. And so we wanna, we do want to scale and actually um, currently having conversations with various partners um, to help us scale uh, because mm-hmm. our our business, you know, it's made up of a few things, right? You got to nail the experience. Then you have real estate, you have marketing, you have capital. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the formula for our industry. So yeah. if you find a partner or multiple partners that, can tackle the marketing, the capital, and the real estate, and you have the experience, mm. that can be a pretty powerful partnership, um, especially with kind of where real estate is going and um, needing to provide an experience to get people off their couch and yeah. not just ordering off of Amazon yeah. um, <laughs> yes, or shopping online.
0: Yeah, I'm always so interested in where the boutique fitness industry will go in the next few years because it has blown up. And part of me feels like at some point there's not a need for every single class out there. Um, And I think that you have protected yourself in a way of creating that niche market Where like people are always looking for community, especially in today's day and age where we're being more siloed to ourselves, especially, you know, a lot of working from home or working just solely behind a computer screen, whether you're in an office or not. Like you might go to an office, put in your headphones and work all day and not really communicate with people, which is hard for me to comprehend because of the industry we came from. But I don't think that's that rare, unfortunately. Right. And so. Thank you. Yeah, I I really think people are looking for more community, and I so appreciate that you're out there helping them find it. Thank you. It's (laughs) One thing I'm actually really jealous of, I was saying this to someone, the fitness instructors who have kind of also tapped into the influencer worlds, because now fitness instructors are also influencers, whether they want to claim that label or not. But they get to engage and connect with their community in person right. on a weekly basis. Yep. And I'm so jealous of that because I love hosting events because I get to meet everyone that I'm DMing and they're seeing my stories every day. Right. But that's so much more rare. True. And the fitness people get to see those people and like actually engage. And so I'm constantly thinking like how can I continue to build my community and make it more of a two-way street than just me providing them information. Like, I want people in the community to be friends, you know? Definitely. So I'm constantly brainstorming. If anyone listening has ideas, please send them my way.
1: Well, it's really smart you're thinking like that because, I mean, you certainly have impact digitally. So to continue to have impact in real life can only be that, that much more powerful. Right. right? And, it, and even if it is just one-to-one, like, the impact you could have on that person could be so much greater than maybe... Yeah. Something digitally. So, um, but to your point, like just where things are going and there's so much information out there and everybody's trying to push digital, digital, digital. So it's like...
0: Yeah. Like all the at-home workouts. Exactly. Yeah.
1: It's like, it's it's information overload when really like, how do we get back to just being more human? Mm -hmm. And what does that mean? It means like connecting with other people. Yep. And community. So important. And... Having fun together, um, not being in uh, just on your screen and like mm-hmm. scrolling right yeah. and like thinking that you're b- a part of somebody's life because you're looking at their pictures, but yeah. really being there and and, and mm-hmm. y- you can't um I don't know just
0: no, I agree you, there's never too much personal connection totally ever totally to close, I love to bring it back to food yeah. So what would be the three ways to your heart through food?
1: Okay. So I want to give you the easy answers Okay. first. And then the hard ones. And then one that I feel might be a little different. Oh, um, I love different. <laughs> okay. So one is pizza for yes, sure. Of I course. mean, I'm, I live in Dumbo in Brooklyn and it's essentially the pizza capital. Of I was like going to say, where's your favorite had, pizza? So Lucali's yes. in Brooklyn is in my opinion, number one. Okay. Um, I would say Lucali, Ruby Rosa, and Table 87 is also in Brooklyn. Which Never is, had Table 87. Yeah, those are they're just phenomenal. Okay. Um, then ice cream would be number two. <gasps> yes, uh, <so>. that's mine. <laughs> okay. I have ice cream every so, day. There you go. Wh-
0: okay, where's your favorite ice cream? So I
1: feel like I've tested most Same. here in the city. And my number one is Morgan Stearns.
0: Interesting. Yeah.
1: For some reason, there's okay. just something about- Wild card. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Um, what, what was your Van one? is my okay. number one. I, I do like Van Llewen.
0: Like uh, It's a deep love affair. Right. I spend way too much time at the West Village location. I had actually one of the founders on the podcast. I,
1: I saw that, um, or I heard that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I also love Ample Hills. Ample Hills is good. And they're at Bubby's right here, which mm. is delicious. Have you had Odd Fellows? Yes.
1: Odd Fellows has, they have- uh, a peanut butter and jelly flavor. I haven't had that Mokin one. And milk and cookies—they're pretty epic.
0: Yeah. Um, oh my god, I yeah, love. Go I, okay, so I love ice cream. But what about in Brooklyn?
1: So, uh, well, I live next door to an odd fellow. So, that's oh, kind of okay. A default, so you get there's your an fix. ice and vice near me. There's an Ample Hills near me. There's an ice and vice um, in Brooklyn. In uh, yeah, they open up in Timeout Market. Oh, got it. Yeah. But I find myself. Taking the trip to the city to go to Morgan Stearns. Fair, yeah. You
0: know what you know. It's a vegan. And your heart there's a,
1: there's a coconut espresso flavor. Oh, that, oh that's I It's vegan and it's that. insane. But then, yeah.
0: we, They opened like a big Morgan Stearns in the West Village, right? Yeah. Okay, I got to go. Yeah, check it I'll out. I'll try and go this weekend. Check it out, <laughs> and I'll tell you. Um,
1: and then the third answer. Uh, so, I love cooking. Yes. And, I f- I. I find it very meditative and Mm -hmm. also just like, you know, you can kind of challenge yourself. Yeah, you can do
0: whatever you want. It's so fun.
1: Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I love cooking for other people too. Yeah. So I think that's kind of the the answer, the not as, I guess, obvious No, but people have been
0: doing this more and more recently and I love it where it's not necessarily food, but it's an action.
1: It's an action of making food and pleasing others and Mm -hmm. doing it um, like just makes you feel really good. So that's kind of another way like, to my heart. Um, but also that. making sure that the dessert after what I cook is is also amazing, yeah. you know, to, to really like, in case my meal wasn't that
0: good, <laughs> that's the, the cherry do you on bake? top. Um, I don't really bake. Neither. I, mean, I don't love um, it. Yeah. I, I, let, I, le- I let the people do what they're good at. Right. <laughs> right and baking exactly. is such a science. The reason I like cooking is because I don't follow recipes. Mm-hmm. I actually just had this kind of like revelation where I was away and one of my very best friends. She works in, like she doesn't work in the food industry, but she loves to cook and she's a big recipe follower and Mm. she makes these delicious dinners. And she reminds me of before I left J.P. Morgan in the beginning phases of how much cooking brought me solely joy because it wasn't work. Mm -hmm. And I started to think, like, maybe I throw in a night or two where, like, I'm following someone else's recipe and I'm just having fun and enjoying the process rather than now I'm like, I got to get my camera out. Do I have to film this? Like, there's always a purpose now when Mm -hmm. I'm cooking. Like, should this be new content? You know, it's kind of annoying me, but... I think I love cooking because I'm not a recipe follower, mm-hmm. and it's just fun and go with the flow and experiment. Well, you flex your creativity. Yeah, as well. and baking yeah. I can't do that because it just doesn't work. Like it <laughs> right. just it can't actually be doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you need the to. Science it's behind a science. That <laughs> yeah, and I don't get it. <laughs> right. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining. Thank you for having me. And for everyone listening, obviously this will be in the show notes. But what's the best platform to follow Swerve and its journey? Instagram. Our Instagram. Okay.
1: At Swerve Fitness.
0: Got it. So everyone follow. Please do follow us. Go take a Swerve class. It's awesome. I can speak (laughs) from experience. And I'm excited to see you in the studio one day soon.
1: Awesome. Looking forward to it. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening to today's episode of Freckled Foodie and Friends. I thoroughly hope you enjoyed it. If you could be so kind, I would greatly appreciate a rate and or review on whatever platform you use to listen to your podcast. Currently, this one's available on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Please subscribe to make sure you're up to date with new episodes coming at you every Friday morning. If once a week isn't enough of me, please follow along on my most active social channel, Instagram. Find me, my unedited videos, recipes, random rants, and info for all my other social channels on there, at Freckled Foodie.